You're listening to the Arrowhead Adventure Cast, celebrating the spirit of outdoor adventure in Minnesota's Arrowhead region and beyond. Hey guys, welcome to the Adventure Cast. In this episode, I welcome back Joe Swanson, Trail Development Director of the Superior Hiking Trail Association. Even though much of the time I spend with Joe is in an official staff member volunteer capacity, we camp and hike together recreationally as well, and I have a blast every time we get together. She is indeed the queen of trail merriment, and her creativity is off the charts. In this episode, we'll be discussing some of the creative goals Joe has set for herself and how she keeps the fun in the simple act of walking in the woods. Okay, I'm here with Joe Swanson once again. You may recall we've done a previous podcast where we talked about um, being a professional in the outdoor world, but today we're going to be talking about something a little more fun than being professional. In fact, Joe's one of the most fun people I've ever hiked with. Aww. In fact, I mean, just to show how much fun she is, one of one of my favorite memories of hiking and camping with Joe, we were on the Angleworm Trail one time on a really hot and muggy August day. It was extremely hot, extremely muggy, and we crested a hill. I was so full of sweat. My everything, All my clothes probably weighed about 50 pounds just because I was drenched in my own sweat. I could feel myself becoming dehydrated. We stopped at a top of a, one of these hills. Um, everybody else was kind of sitting there already, going through their packs, taking a little break, getting some water. Joe pulls out of her pack a full-on watermelon. I mean, not just a little tiny melon, but a full-size, we're going to be butchering it and put it in into a fruit salad watermelon. It was insane. Probably saved our lives on that hike, but that was hilarious. What made you think to pack a watermelon? I mean, that was like 90% of your pack was that watermelon. It was kind of a painful few miles to get where we were going with that watermelon. Uh, you know, it's not that often that you go on a backpacking trip that's only going to be, what is angleworm, 12 miles, 16 miles? Yeah, it's, it's under like 20. 16. Yeah, so I mean, it was, a, it was a nice overnight hike. So if you're going to carry a watermelon, you should do it on a nice overnight hike. Because, of course, I carried out all the rinds, which was a lot lighter than carrying a whole watermelon, but, <laughs> but still wasn't light. <laughs> I mean, that was great. You were, we were about six miles in at that point where you pulled that thing out. You lugged it that far. Oh, and you had no, had told nobody. It was just a surprise. That was wonderful. So, um, basically we're going to be talking about, you've come up through the years with some fantastic challenges for yourself. Yeah, I, I like playing games and making these challenges is a way that I can kind of play a game with myself and ensure that I get time outside. That's awesome. So one of the ones that instantly comes to mind that I thought was extremely cool was your full moon challenge of camping during every full moon of a certain year a few years back. Yeah, in 2016, I, I decided I was going to going to do that for no particular good reason. <laughs> and you know, challenges don't have to make sense. They just have to be something that makes you smile. 
And <laughs> and the idea of camping under every full moon for a year made me smile. Awesome. What was uh, one of your more memorable uh, campouts of those 12 months? <laughs> I think the, the first one was probably the most memorable. I decided to start the challenge in January because I reckoned that if I started in January and suffered through January and February and March that I wouldn't wimp out later in the year. You know, <laughs> having having dedicated a night at very cold temperatures, I figured that it would ensure that I stuck with it. And my first night, my first full moon in January was a was a snowy night and it was very very cold and I was breaking trail all the way to the campsite because I I was backpacking in to to that uh, <laughs> to a campsite that full moon. Where did you go on that one? A Ferguson campsite on the Superior Hiking Trail, not far from the Lake County Demonstration Forest. Okay. So it's not a bad hike in. Um, you know, I was on the road for a little bit because part of the trail wasn't broken in. So I, I parked and I walked up the road and, and got on the trail and hiked in eh, not too far, half a mile, eight-tenths, something like that. Uh, but it started snowing around three in the morning. Mm. So I was a little worried about the snow obscuring my path out and also having my car get snowed in where I had parked. So I decided at three in the morning to pack everything up and just hike out and call it a night. And I did that. And as I was walking, I, I walked on the trail and then I hit the road and took the road back to my car. And at this point it was about 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> pitch black, snowing. And as I'm walking back to my car, this pickup truck drives by. And all I can wonder is, what did they think I was doing? <laughs> you know, they, they didn't the slow morning. down. I don't know what they were doing either. Because right. uh, it's a very small road in the middle of nowhere where I encountered this, this truck. And <laughs> I was kind of relieved they didn't stop. But at the same time, I kind of wish they had just checked on me to make sure I was okay. Because mm -hmm. it was not a normal thing to be walking down that road at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. Right. Yeah. In January. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> right. So most of the time on this trip, on this um, challenge, you backpacked, right? You yeah. Just going into some easy spot. No, I, I was I I hadn't yet discovered car camping really. <laughs> so other than one, um, there was one full moon where I was in transit to North Dakota, and I happened to be staying at a friend's house, so I stayed in her yard. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I was backpacking in. Uh, to various places, most of them on the Superior Hiking Trail. And it was it was interesting. I, I hadn't done much winter camping. I discovered that, you know, a, a three-season tent or a tent made out of mesh isn't the answer uh, for, <laughs> for camping in January, February. But even if I didn't have particularly pleasant nights, I still felt like I got a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, the, the backpacking part's really... Um, really impressed me a lot. I had a challenge um, that I did for a few years where I wanted to camp every, at least one night every month. And, you know, some of those nights, I remember I did a few New Year's Eves where I just throw my sleeping bag on a sleeping pad, but I'd be next to the parking lot, say at McCarthy Beach State Park. So is, you know, I'd walk, you know, 50 yards from the car, if that, and then just sleep right there and then get up in the morning and just throw everything back in the car and get out of there. That sounds pretty fantastic. <laughs> kind of was. <laughs> right. So it wasn't, I mean, it, it was really easy bailout. If something would have happened, if I really would have gotten wet, really cold, you know, I could just 
leave. You know, in, I wasn't that far. In retrospect, I kind of wish I'd done some of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. It would have been a little safer. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's a a really cool challenge. I that really impressed me that year that you did that. Um, so uh, another thing that you do is you also try to get at least fifty two nights in of camping per year. Yeah, usually I'm somewhere around sixty nights. And that's, uh, you know, there, there's no real reason for that number. It's just that it's an achievable number for me. And I know that if I spend that much time out in the woods in any given year, I'll feel pretty accomplished when, when the season has come to a close. I'll feel like I experienced a lot, saw a lot. And it's just a way of keeping myself mentally healthy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I don't really keep track of how many nights total through the year, unless I was doing that monthly thing. But I, uh, for a few years, I've been trying to camp at least half of September. Oh, so that's a great month. I would, yeah, yeah. I, for a few years in a row, I'd get 16 days in, in a tent or, or out of a tent, you know, sometimes I'll cowboy camp, but camp at least 16 days in September. So Ooh, I feel like that might have to be my next challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I recommend <laughs> yeah, it. It's a, kind of a perfect, great. Kind of a perfect month to do it. Yeah. So. I love that. Right. I like the 52 thing as well because it's kind of like an average of once every week. Yeah. And I'm not really a winter camper, so it can be tough to try to get that many nights in when my season is really only half a year. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have the the odd night out in the winter, but generally I I try to sleep inside in the winter. (laughs) Right. So... Another one of my favorites, actually this one may have impressed me the most, is that you've done every single campsite on the Superior Hiking Trail. Yeah, that was a, an interesting goal. I, uh, it started when I first started backpacking on the Superior Hiking Trail. I first went backpacking in 2004, and back then I had no idea what I was doing. And I had no muscles, and I my pack was 55 pounds, and I, I just, I was kind of pathetic, to be honest. <laughs> I would fall over and not be able to get back up again. Uh, it was, I, I was, I was kind of a sight. And uh, I had this, this kind of fantasy of spending an entire summer on the Superior Hiking Trail, and each day only going from campsite to campsite to campsite. You know, so some days that would mean hiking five miles and some days it would mean hiking 0.5 miles and that never I never ended up doing that I never spent a season on the Superior Hiking Trail like that and to be honest I mean if I had three months to play with now I would I would probably go elsewhere and you know Mm -hmm. hang out in big mountains or do something different but the, the the goal of that that dream kind of morphed into this idea that you know I could still camp at every campsite just not all in one not all in one season not all in one in one go Mm -hmm. so uh, you know it took me from 2004 until 2018 to get every every campsite in and you know I have mixed feelings about completing it Mm -hmm. part of me wishes I had more uh, to camp at and you know, some of uh, some of the sites aren't amazing. Some of them are, mm-hmm. and some of them are really only special because of the circumstances you experience when you're there. 
Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of nights. I've probably spent about 130 nights on the Superior Hiking Trail. Nice. There are 94 campsites, but I've camped at many of them multiple times. Right. What's um, do you have any particular favorites among the 92? I really appreciate being between Duluth and Two Harbors because mm-hmm. it's not as heavily trafficked. And it's a section of trail that didn't exist back when I was doing most of my long distance hiking on the SHT. So when I moved to Two Harbors and I suddenly was near this whole section of trail, it was like I had this new world to explore mm-hmm. and new campsites to, to stay at that I'd never seen before. And I also had worked on building part of that section back in the day. So it was really interesting to see that section of trail and see those campsites in their completed form. Uh, rather than, you know, when, when I was out there trying to build things, things looked very different back then. Mm-hmm. So I love, I love being out in that, in that area. What was the last one that you camped at to complete it? Split Rock. On really? The south, the south, what is it? Southwest Split Rock. Southwest? So the one... Um... The one nearest the bridge site on <laughs> yeah, the south but side. The south on the west side. side. Yeah. <laughs> really? That's yeah, your not, last not, one. Not on purpose. I, I, there was no, I wasn't saving it. I wasn't avoiding it. Uh, it just kind of happened that huh. way. So Gooseberry and Split Rock were rather challenging because there's four sites at mm-hmm. each one of those. Right. So I ended up going, <laughs> I ended up hiking that stretch of those stretches of trail quite a lot mm-hmm. to get those, to get those done. Uh, which is probably why Split Rock ended up being at the end. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, you know, it, it was a, it's a lovely site. I, yeah. It was very late October. It was my last night out that whole year. Hmm. I, I think it was, I think I woke up on Halloween there. Uh-huh. So it was, you know, pretty frosty. And I, I knew it was my last site and that it was my last night out that year. So I packed out uh, a piece of peanut butter pie from the Rustic Inn <laughs> yeah. and celebrated. I had the campsite all to myself because nobody else uh, mm-hmm. had s- such bad sense as to be camping out when it was that cold. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a lovely experience. That's cool. Bittersweet. It was very bittersweet. That's, I've camped at that one a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. That's... Um, it was always where I'd want to take the one across from the pillars, and it'd always be taken. <laughs> so I'd always end up at that one mm-hmm. until one time I was camped there, and I went down just to kind of look to see if someone, the people that were there were leaving one time, and they were packing up to go. And I remember running across, I mean, just packing up my stuff, and then I actually waded the river that day, and then I got to spend like two magnificent days down on that little peninsula. Oh, oh, that sounds amazing. Right. But yeah, I always think of that when I think of that campsite. It's the, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, let's go across to the <laughs> other one <laughs> campsite. I really love being out there uh, at any of the campsites, but I feel mm-hmm. very fortunate because I live in two harbors. And so it's possible for me to go out and, and camp midweek. Mm-hmm. And I know most people don't have that, that luxury, but you know, I can get off of work and, and be all packed and ready to go mm-hmm. and be at a trailhead, you know, by by 5.15, 5.30. Right. Or even earlier, you know, if I start work early that day, mm-hmm. um, bug out a little early and, you know, get up early, hike out. And I find that when I 
backpack out on a on a weeknight, I am very energized for work the next morning, mm-hmm. more so than I should be. Right. That's <laughs> what I like get. I, it's, mm-hmm. I, maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe it's maybe it's just recharging with nature. Whatever it right. is, that time outside is is really nurtures me. Right. I get those same experiences. My midweek camp at McCarthy Beach a lot. Yeah. In the summer, and there's nothing better. I leave work. I go to the subway in Chisholm. I just grab a sub, and I'll run up to the beach. And usually I'll camp at Beatrice Lake. That's the, the not the really popular campground at McCarthy, not by the beach. But I'll, you know, get set up there, and then I'll go and I'll swim until sunset. Just me and the loons, nobody there on a Wednesday. <laughs> go back, have a fire, have my sub, read in front of the fire until about 11 or midnight. Then I'll wake up, just pack back up, and you're, you know, you'd been out, you're under the, you're getting woken up by the birds, and you still smell like campfire smoke, and you come rolling into work, and you feel like you had a weekend, even though it was just a day, an evening after work, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and I think in our culture, we're, we feel like we have to give up our Sunday nights, too, but Sunday is still part of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I, I think so often people don't adventure, maybe they can't adventure on weeknights, but they also don't adventure on Sunday nights. And that's mm-hmm. a shame because Sunday could be a really adventurous, wonderful night. You just have to wake <laughs> right. up early to get where you're going the next day. Well, think of us right now. Mm-hmm. You work in Two Arbors. I, do. I work in Chisholm. We are at a <laughs> Forest Service campground uh, near Ely. It is and- mutually inconvenient. And both of us work in the morning. <laughs> so tomorrow morning, we'll be waking up bright and early. My alarm is set for 5.45. Yep. You'll be heading mostly south. I'll be heading mostly <laughs> west. And we'll both be on the job <laughs> tomorrow morning. Yet here we are, and it's like under the stars in the Superior National Forest. You know, we're each about, I don't know how far from home, but... Hour and a half for me. Yeah. Not too bad. About the same for me. Hour and a half to two hours for me. So, yeah. So it'll be, that's, but that's the same thing what you were just talking about. Why don't you camp on a Sunday night? Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Might be a little tired in the morning, but nothing a gas station coffee won't cure. That's right. (laughs) And I know it's easier for those of us who don't have small children at home and Mm -hmm. have fewer, you know, fewer home responsibilities. Right. You know, even even with children, I would imagine that that it's it's possible and mm-hmm. and fun, hopefully. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you got to drag them kicking and screaming. I've been there before, but usually they're into it too. Yeah. You know. So, um, did you have any uh, just horrible nights during those fifty-two or during those? Uh, oh yeah. Hike- you know, every single campsite <laughs> challenge. Oh, I totally had some winners. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I can't yeah. believe I'm here. So there's, yeah, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> so many. <laughs> how do I choose? <laughs> there was one night along the Gooseberry where I had hiked in from Castle Danger, which is a longer hike than right. hiking in from Gooseberry Falls. But it was it was terrain I hadn't been on in quite a while, and I just wanted to go that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I hiked in, and I was all alone at my campsite, which was really a, it's it's pretty nice and i woke up at about three in the morning what is it with me in three in the morning right and i was freezing cold and just creeped out 
Mm. And there was no reason for me to f- have the heebie-jeebies. I camp out all the time. I don't have. I've never had any truly scary experiences with animals or people, anything like that. But I just felt like I should get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't love night hiking, but I had a headlamp with, and I wore that, and I had reception, and I was able to to load some music. So I. Mm-hmm. I played music, which I normally wouldn't do, but at three in the morning on a section of trail where I hopefully was not going to encounter anyone, uh, I felt like it was fine. And so I hiked out four miles listening to Lady Gaga <laughs> and made it back to my car and home before sunrise. So it was not particularly restful, and I don't know why I needed to get out of there, but I did, and I listened to it, mm-hmm. and it was fine. Huh. I've. That's so strange how... I've had kind of the same experience once that I can think of where you're, you know, you're like me. We go out all the time and it's usually 99% of the time, no big deal. But once I went to, I was working, it was a summer and I was working down making windows and I, I was so wanting to get up and get into Crosby Manitou. And so this is back in the days where you couldn't reserve anything online Mm -hmm. or anything. They just had that board up there where you would put the little <laughs> slot of paper that would show that you had the campsite. I do so, miss that. Yeah, I mean, that was old school. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It was. It was really cool. You get there and like, oh, there isn't anything there. Or, oh, dang, only site, blah, blah, blah. I don't like that one. <laughs> so anyway, my buddy was supposed to be going. He was up in Duluth, and he was supposed to be get, grabbing the campsite. And what I was going to do was go up to the board and find it, what site he was on, and hike in. So by the time I got up there, it was dark, and he didn't. His name wasn't on any of the sites, so I figured, well, you know, this is before cell phones too, so <laughs> there's really no way to contact him. But I saw there was one site open, and I'm like, well, if he's not here, maybe they were all taken, and then whoever had it just got out. So anyway, I went and I got that site, got up, packed up, and started hiking in. And I'm hiking by headlamp in the dark, in the dark, going, going, going. And I'm just barely figuring out where I am, you know. And all of a sudden, I got this feeling. And I thought, oh, my gosh, did last night I have a dream that I was getting mauled by a bear? And I'm like, I think I did. I'm not really positive, but maybe I did. And, like, maybe that was a premonition (laughs) or something. So, anyway, that really freaked me out. And so I kind of spun around and I just start running back. And I'm like, dun, 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 dun. You know how Crosby, it's lots of rocks, lots of roots. And I remember slipping off one of those little board bridgey things into mm. some mud, like with my pack on, then jumping back up and just trucking, finally getting back to the, to my car and threw my backpack in. And, and then I remember just, I had my, Gore-Tex jacket on. I remember unzipping it and my glasses fogging up from all the heat. <laughs> and then I just drove back to Duluth from Crosby Manitou and it was like, all right, whatever. But it was just that weird feeling, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of happens, I guess, sometimes when you're out there. So yeah. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> that was um, a very impressive challenge. When I heard about it, it impressed the heck out of me. So <laughs> just got to give you props. I, for I that. wouldn't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I've thought about it. I When I first started hiking the SHT, I had the guidebook, and I had a highlighter, and I would highlight every section that I did, and then I would also highlight every campsite on the little triangle. And it was one thing that I was thinking of doing, so... <laughs>
maybe eventually, I don't know, it'll probably take several years. I've got a lot of them done, but there's so many that I just have as my go-tos that I go to all the time. Yeah. So it's, well, I think there's value in knowing knowing a few places really deeply mm-hmm. rather than knowing a lot of places just on the surface. Yeah. You know, there's really no, they're both good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them at these campsites, like, oh, there's my old tree buddy again, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Or, oh, there's that rock I sit on. Or, there's that weird structure that somebody created up in a tree. Oh, no, at Horseshoe Ridge. Well, I've never camped there because of that stupid thing. That, that's, <laughs> it's not there anymore. Oh, that, I promise. I know. I've The last time I hiked that section, I looked, and <laughs> it wasn't there. I had to describe it with, to whoever I was hiking with. I was like, oh, that was the most insane thing. I was all set to camp at Horseshoe Ridge, and I'm like, what is that? How did that even get there? There's no way I'm camping here. So I figured it was a Sasquatch nest. So, In a tree. In a tree. Yeah. Way up, like 10 feet high. Like who knew that Sasquatches live in trees? Right. I had no idea, but I've seen their nest, and it's <laughs> spooky and scary and ugh, awful. So, so there's another thing that you uh, say that you try to do, and you call it a hiker's dozen. <laughs> so what's that? A Hiker's Dozen is a a, a weekend challenge that I do every year where I take a bunch of small adventures and kind of mush them together to create an adventure that's worthy of a a weekend. So each Hiker's Dozen has a theme, so it's 11 of something. Uh, Hikers usually are uh, a little lax in their planning and (laughs) think they've done more than they really have, so I feel like a Hiker's Dozen is 11. Okay. Uh, as opposed to the baker's dozen being 13. <laughs> right. So 11 of something. So one year I hiked to all 11 trail registers on the Superior Hiking Trail. Mm-hmm. One year I summited 11 peaks on the North Shore. Um, you know, mm-hmm. 11 of eleven of whatever yeah. <laughs> strikes my, my fancy. That's awesome. This, this year it was uh, 11 cemeteries in, uh, <laughs> in, in northern Minnesota, which... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to go somewhere the tourists weren't, mm-hmm. and it was successful because I didn't see a single tourist in any cemetery. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so another thing that I've known that you've done is hike all the trails in like a single park. Yeah, last year my goal was to hike all of the trails in Crosby Manitou State Park. I really love that part of the world. It's rocky and rooty and kind of miserable hiking and it, so I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I always say those the deep Manitou Canyon holds secrets that not everyone should know. I, I believe that. <laughs> I, I definitely do. So mm-hmm. I, I really got to know the park last year and I think I'll probably hike a park this year too. It's it's just mm-hmm. kind of a fun challenge to to kind of sink into one one spot and get to know it mm-hmm. more deeply and yeah, I ended up on trails I'd never been on before, seen things I'd never seen before within the park, and I think there's value in that, and there's mm-hmm. there's value in hiking trails that aren't the the, the most common commonly mm-hmm. hiked trails in a state park because right. you know everyone goes on on certain trails in mm-hmm. certain parks, and they get loved to death, and they mm-hmm. might not necessarily highlight what the park is all about. Right, definitely. Yeah, you, you've also hiked all the trails in Crosby. In Crosby, Manitou, right? yeah, yeah, just of this year. Yep. Very cool. That's awesome. I finally, I this one loop, I was like, you know what, if I hike this, then I will have done the whole thing. So, <laughs> just yeah, it was one of those out-of-the-way ones because it's not down to the river. It's not, 
you know, right next to Benson Lake. It was just kind of these bonus trails, and I found it was fantastic to do that section that I hadn't done before. So, yes, yeah. very good. Yeah, it's good. a beautiful area. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. So, one thing that we're kind of in the middle of doing today is your goal of camping at all of the Forest Service campgrounds in Superior National Forest. Well, I had to do something after hiking hiking to all the SHT campsites and camping there. So <laughs> the next logical thing was to move to the Forest Service campgrounds. Right. In the last couple of years, I kind of discovered car camping. Mm -hmm. Now, you'd think that I would have discovered this a long time First, ago. First, right, right, like most people. Most normal <laughs> human beings, yep. <laughs> and I did car camp with my parents as a kid, but I hadn't really done it as a grown-up on my own. Mm-hmm. So when I discovered that there's this whole network of campgrounds in the Superior National Forest, I just kind of fell in love. And what I love about it is that they're all on water. So mm -hmm. you can go swimming at every single one or get in the water at least. Mm -hmm. And I think about the, the campsites on the Superior Hiking Trail or on other long distance trails and how the campsites by lakes get so overloved and they're so overpopulated and everyone's trying to stay there because there's a lake. Like but, Bear but, Lake. Right, yeah, and Lake mm -hmm. Agnes too yep. is super popular and, mm -hmm. and hard to even get a spot there. Right. But you know, we have ten over 10,000 lakes in this state and so many mm -hmm. of them are in the Superior National Forest and you can get a campsite. I mean, we have a, at this campsite that we're staying at tonight, there's a little trail going right to the lake. Mm -hmm. I went swimming twice, twice this evening. Twice today, right. <laughs> it was great. Didn't have to hike there. Right. Um, this whole car camping by a lake thing, it's kind of great. It's kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everyone listening to this is just rolling their eyes like, oh, you just discovered this, huh, moron? <laughs> right. I started doing it a little more when the kids were little, too. I kind of um, didn't backpack as much, and, and we did more base camping like at Finland or Ekbeck and then day hiking out of there and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, having the lighter pack and stuff. Well, and I think it was the camping at Finland that I did with you and some of our other Superior Hiking Trail friends that kind mm -hmm. of opened my eyes to the fact that car mm -hmm. camping doesn't have to be at like a horrible, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a trailer park. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some of them you see that are trailer parks and they're out yeah. in the middle of just a field and there's a field full of RVs. So it's like an RV showroom, essentially. Yeah, and, and that never had appealed to me. But at Finland, I was able to see that there are some really nice campgrounds out there. Mm -hmm. And I haven't stayed at even half of the, the campgrounds in the Superior National Forest. But each one that I've been to has had some redeeming quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's been, that's been great. It's great to know what's up here and what's in our backyard. And good to know that... You know, you don't you don't have to fight for space at one of the the beloved campsites on the Superior Hiking Trail. You can go to a, a car camping right. <laughs> campground and have your own space, which is very nice. Exactly. Yeah. This there's nothing wrong with this. It's nice and private, and um, yeah, just it's furnished picnic table. There's even somebody yeah. put a a clothesline up, so you got. Got it's your wet clothes drying right super now? Super fancy. Yeah, this, this one's fantastic. <laughs> Nothing says swank like a clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so, now let's just talk about one more um, kind of creative goal that um, both of us are doing, and that's hiking all the long trails in the Boundary Waters. Yeah. And most people canoe 
the Boundary Waters because it is the Boundary Waters canoe area. I was just telling you earlier that I haven't taken a canoe trip in the Boundary <laughs> Waters since 2001, I believe. But it seems like I'm always hiking in the Boundary Waters for some stupid reason. I don't know why because it's really not that pleasant. <laughs> it's not really a good reason to do it mostly, but... Hey, we're doing it, right? In the I, wilderness? I feel the same way. I took my very first Boundary Waters canoe trip last year because I'm always hiking out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out it's a lot easier to travel by canoe. Kind of is. Boundary Waters. Like, right. That's kind of what, it, what you do. Yeah, you're not falling <laughs> off of beaver dams and, and the muck that's up <laughs> past your knees and going through brush that you can't see the trail, which is pretty much a Boundary Waters hiking experience for the most part. Right? That's what you've experienced Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. The trails in the Boundary Waters all have a lot in common. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, some have more views than others, but typically it's, it's boggy, it's buggy, it's, um, miserable. (laughs) (laughs) It can be depending on what Uh, time of year you go. Right. And so I guess the question is, why are, why are you doing it if it's that miserable? I don't know. I, the first one I tried was the Keck. The first oh, wait, time. way to start with, like, one of the, yeah. the harder... Well, well, it was the, right after I had done all the Superior Hiking Trail that was done, that was built at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, now what's the next thing to conquer? And I kind of did my research of, you know, we just had brochures and pamphlets and magazine articles really back then. And everybody was talking about the keck. Go do the keck. It's the hardest, most treacherous thing. And I thought I was some badass hiker for some reason back then. And... So we did it right after the blowdown because <laughs> because we thought, oh, the Forest Service will have that thing cleaned up by October, right? Yeah, it's only like 40 <laughs> miles long. Jeez. Oh, so um, that didn't work well the first time. Second time we did it in extreme heat, but we somehow finished it. And then I don't think I did another one until the border route, but that was in 2015. And that was way more beauty than the keg. Yeah. Just, it was mind-blowing, don't you think? Some of the overlooks on the border route are, I mean, it's, it's some of the best, best stuff in the anywhere. state. Yeah, right. for sure. Oh, border route's magnificent. But and, you work for it. I mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you earn Definitely. each of those overlooks. Yes, you earn those border route overlooks <laughs> big time. The third one I did was with you, the Sioux Hustler. Yeah. That sucks. We, we have very we have very different opinions on the Sioux Hustler. I know I don't know I, how you could have had a good time on that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. We um we you know we kind of pushed our first full day. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably went too far, but it made sense at the time. And it was rainy, and it was not ideal, uh, not ideal conditions. But mm-hmm. I I really liked how remote the Sioux Hustler was, and. Yeah. There were some rock ledges I really enjoyed. The lakes were pretty. I like that when I fell through the beaver dam, I didn't bust my ankle. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't break your leg I, or something. I know. That was very dramatic. <sighs> the, the sound that that made was, <laughs> we thought we were helicoptering you out of there or something. It was about as far from the road as you could get. That's a 30-plus mm. mile loop, and we were at the way, way north end away from the road when I fell through the beaver dam. Man. 
That yeah. was nuts. <laughs> Could have been so much worse. I just had nutrition problems because somehow I bonked right away and I couldn't make myself eat anything. Yeah. And, and ran on fumes for two days. Once you got out of the woods, you were able to eat. What was it? What did you end up? Oh, okay. So, yeah, once we got done, I mean, I was craving everything in the world except for what I had. <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, oh, spaghetti would be great, but not Mountain House spaghetti. I can't even swallow that. <laughs> um, Cliff Bar, I had to, like, chew and then swallow, like, a pill. Like, just... Like, now, to be fair, that's how I normally eat Cliff Bars. Well, yeah. I suppose <laughs> I kind of do now, too. I can't even look at one hardly anymore without gagging I know. after that. So, yeah, so we get out, and I'm just a zombie at this point. As Mark's driving, I'm like, I thought Orr was not this far. Why are we still driving? That took about 90 hours to get to Orr. <laughs> so we get to Orr, stop at the grocery store. I'm like, I'm not going just to a gas station. Bring me to a grocery store. So I get out. I can barely walk at this point. Somehow hobble into the store. I got a jar of pickles, a half gallon of milk, um, wavy lay potato chips, um, top the tater, and a Mountain Dew. <laughs> anyway, just a bunch of garbage, you know, but I just needed calories. So got hopped back in, and I'm eating p pickles like as if they're like goldfish crackers, just, <laughs> just mowing them down. And then I'm just all talkative because all of a sudden I got energy again. I'm like, hey, blah, 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 blah. just talked Mark's off, ear off. And then, so we got home, took a shower, and then the next day we were going to go back and do trail work. <laughs> I remember Mark like, hey, what time are we going to leave to go to go to the shore the next day? I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I got run over by a truck. So we kind of eased our way into that. We did like the Beaver River campsites the first day and did a little train there. And, but yeah, that was miserable on... I that I, trip. I got out of the woods before you because yeah, you left Roberta in the morning. And I woke up super early. It was raining, I guess. Yeah, it was. And, and we, yeah, you're right. It was, and you know, it was. We'd been in the rain for multiple nights, and mm -hmm. everything was kind of damp, and and we were cold, and we were only like what six miles from the car. The trail had so, rapids <laughs> when yeah, we walked through. Yeah. So when so we just packed up and we pieced out of there because yep. we were cold and we just wanted a burger. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> well, while you were diving into a pickle jar, we were eating an Ely. After Monty pretty much carried me out because, oh, man, yeah. that was, it was great. He kind of stuck by and just kind of kept me going because so it was think, awful. Do you think you would have ended up on the Sioux Hustler if you weren't trying to do all of the Boundary Waters trails? Um, was it on your radar before? You know, I remember I had a brochure again of the Sioux Hustler a long time ago in my files. So I thought about it, but I think after the border route, well, after the border route, the next year we did Isle Royale. And then after that, then we're kind of looking like, okay, well, now that we've done the Keck and the border route, let's, yeah, I think that's at that point was, hey, what else is there in the Boundary Waters? Mm -hmm. And so that went right to the Sioux Hustler. And yeah, I don't think I would have done it without, you know, the whole Boundary Waters 
quest, I guess. Yeah, see how great challenges are? They give you those great experiences like right. the Sioux Hustle. Exactly. <laughs> great. Yay. And then we went from there to the Angleworm yep. the, the next year. And that you could do in a day if you got an early start. Yeah, Christy did. Quickly. Yeah. She yep. cranked it out in a day. but Yeah, but it's more, I mean, the, the campsites are really nice. So I, I really liked having it as a short backpacking trip. Especially when we squeezed four tents into one tent pad. <laughs> I remember our uh, our rain flies were crisscrossed. Like you were pretty much, you know, if we were like in a queen size bed, we'd just be laying, you know, shoulder yeah. to shoulder. Yeah, I could have like poked my finger, you know, at, mm-hmm. on, on my tent wall and like right. poked me, <laughs> right? Woken you up, <laughs> right? Exactly. And Roberta was at our heads, pretty much. Yep. Oh man, and Anna was down. She actually got down on the rock. So yeah, she had a nice spot. Had her own little spot there, but. <laughs> So that was a, I thought that was a fantastic trail. It is. It's a really good intro to Boundary Waters trails. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's rugged and it's rocky and it's rooty and it's got some ups and downs, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an achievable goal for someone who hasn't hiked in the Boundary Waters before. Right. It's a beautiful trail too. I only got lost that one time just because <laughs> I saw that rock carn and I went up to it and instead of going where it was taking a left, I just got, it looked like an obvious straight line. And I sat there for like half an hour to an hour just going, where the heck is the trail? And then I walked back down to it. Oh, it's obvious after I sat there for an well, hour. you did the right thing by hanging out and mm-hmm. probably yeah. having a snack right. and thinking about it and not blundering mm-hmm. on forward. Right. That's what I did. I mm-hmm. just kind of, well, I just relaxed. I said, yeah. if I get some hydration, because it was so muggy on that trip, I thought, well, I'll just oh, keep drinking, drinking some water and having some lunch and just chilling and not panicking, you know. Yeah. Eventually you you figured it out. So you've done part of a trail in the Boundary Waters that I haven't touched ever. I've never even seen it in real life, which is the powwow. Yeah. The powwow, you know, they're still working on clearing that thing. Major kudos to the volunteer crews that Mm -hmm. have been working on clearing it. I mean, this is, we're, we're talking thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands of downed trees that they've cleared. Yes. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's truly amazing what they've done to try to preserve this trail. Right. I've been on it twice now. Um, there's a, a little Y intersection. The first time I went to the left where it says not maintained. And it, that was actually better condition, I remember, than the maintained part that I went on this year. <laughs> so it goes. Yeah, and of course I had Monty with, and he's a trail-clearing fanatic, so, you know, by the time I would catch up to him, he'd have a saw out and have a tree removed from the trail, so maybe that was just cheating, I don't know. But, um, yeah, going with him was fantastic. I fell off a beaver dam on that one, but it's amazing how we don't <laughs> fall off more beaver dams on these on these Boundary Water um, trails, because somehow they always build them right over, but I suppose they have to, because it's the only way across some of these swampy areas. This spring I hiked the Snowbank Lake Trail which is about 25 miles long and there are a couple Mm. of beaver dam crossings on that one and one is very high like I remember looking to my right and thinking gosh if I fell it would be (laughs) 10 feet down. I mean it was it was a I would have gotten hurt. Mm. Um, Luckily I didn't punch through that one. (laughs) Yeah that's the thing on these boundary water trails that they're the real deal. They're not hiking on a freeway like the SHT sometimes feels, you know. They're they they you get a feeling out there when once you get out there that it's real. It's almost a cold, scary feeling, you know. 
where there's no escape routes. There's no trailhead every 10 miles or whatever. You know, there's no Highway 61 humming there's, out of there. There's no cell reception. No cell reception. <laughs> right. It's, you're on your own. You there's know. no pizza delivery. Yeah. I mean, you got to get from point A to point B because otherwise you just go back to point A, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. Yeah. There's no bailing out on those trails. So, yeah, I've known yeah. a lot of people who've thought that they could go their normal pace on Boundary Waters trails, right. including me. Sometimes I forget that I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a mile an hour is just fine in the BWCA. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's, it's not elevation. I mean, sometimes no. you're going up and down, but it's really just slow. Right. It's like you have to plow through brush. You have to plow through mud and water. You have to figure out if you're still on the trail, for one thing. It's just a lot of different. It's not, you don't just stretch your legs and let them fly yeah. in the Boundary Waters trails. But it's super worth it. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> when you get done, I mean, I remember the first time that we did the keck. When you come out and you've got the keck on your hiking resume, it feels like, ooh, you're a, te- you're a keck hiker. That's <laughs> badass, you know? <laughs> it, it is. It's something that, that's, that's almost revered in hiking circles <laughs> around here, you know? Um, then we then well, the the time I actually did the keck, I said, "No way am I ever going to come back here. I'm never going to do it again." And then two years ago, I went and did it again for some stupid reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never hiked a Boundary Waters Trail twice, not yet. Yeah, I don't know why I did the keck again. It well, was well adventure. Get, actually, it was because I want I wanted Mark and Roberta um, to get the Arrowhead Triple Crown again, you know. The boundary, if, you, if you've done the whole SHT, the, bo- the border route and the keck. That's the... I don't qualify because I haven't done all of the SHT. Oh, that's right. You've got those little Duluth nubs yet. I know. <sighs> it's just, you know, as someone who primarily experiences the trail from backpacking, it's mm-hmm. hard for me to go to a city where backpacking is more challenging. You I know, have suppose. to make a reservation, have to pay for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I... I'm not averse to, to paying for camping. That's fine. Right. But it's more the, the reservation part of it that mm-hmm. has been challenging for me. Yeah, I guess. Wow. I keep thinking one of these years, and this was going to be the year, but in the era of coronavirus, I, I have a hard time wanting to go to a city where mm-hmm. I envision that the trail is busier than it is in some other places. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, that's an assumption on my part that the trail is actually busier down there. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you run into too many people in the Duluth section now that I think about it. I don't know. I guess you I... You just run into the same people over and over again. Yeah, I just, it's just May, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, just the same old people that are always on the trail. <laughs> That's all. Oh, so, but yeah, eventually you'll have to get that knocked off and then you can be a... <laughs> Triple crown or two, join the club. Sweet. Right. I still don't think we need patches or something for that Do it. sort. Or we should make patches for some of our other silly challenges, too. <laughs> That's a really fun idea. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I mean, I like the ones that um, that are inspired by, you know, like the hiking club for the state parks or when the SHT, like they have the summit challenge right now. Things like that, mm-hmm. you know, are really fun. Or trail fitters challenges, um, hiking challenges, fun every year. Um, but there's just something to be said about silly, creative ones that you make up yourself, right? Yeah. And you know? then if you don't finish it, 
doesn't really matter. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, dang, I didn't earn my t-shirt that I was going to make myself for <laughs> doing yeah, it. It's all about finding what works for you. And mm-hmm. for me, having these challenges gets me outside more. And it gets me to places I might not necessarily go otherwise. And that's important to me. But other people mm-hmm. might find that they don't need that extra push or they don't they don't need to play these games with mm-hmm. themselves. Right. I found when we did the State Park um, Hiking Club Challenge, we got to these places in Minnesota that I would have never went to. Like, why am I going in, you know, soybean country out in the prairie <laughs> part of, of Minnesota? Like, that would have never appealed to me. But there's all these little gems you don't even know about that are out there. We're hiking down in the southeast corner of this beaver valley, and it was like this little Eden in the middle of the farm country, you know? Or or the one um, uh, down in the Blue Mounds. Oh my gosh, there's buffalo down there. That's I mean, so how cool. awesome is that? You know, there's all kinds of different places that me and the kids hiked and camped that, yeah, without that challenge type of thing, never would have yeah. thought to get out there. We saw so much of the state, you know, Instead of just hiding our little northeastern corner in the pines, all of a sudden we're <laughs> on the prairie or in these hardwood forests down in the Mississippi Valley or places like that. So, and you did not only not only did you visit every park, but you hiked every yeah. hiking club trail. Exactly, which is huge. Out yeah, you're getting at, back in there. You're not just standing by the sign and saying, "Hey, check it out, we're here," and then leaving. We're actually spending time out on the trail in yeah. every park in the state. That's so cool. Yeah, that was very rewarding. So. How did it feel when you finished? Were you sad? Yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. Yep. It was um, kind of sadder, you know, right when we saw that the there was the sign, you know, that last one. And, you know, we started when the kids were like seven and four or something <laughs> like that, you know. So, yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, now what do we do? Because that was kind of our, our big goal for how many years? Yeah. Six years that, that we took. Mm. So you went from four to ten, you know, Jackson's age is like, holy cow, how did that happen? (laughs) But then that's where we started, you know, doing more volunteer work and then trying to do more SHT stuff. And, Mm -hmm. but, you know, there's other places to hike out there too. We just have to find them and make our own challenges and go from there, right? Yeah, well said. Oh, so many things to do. <laughs> I know. So, well, I suppose we should uh, uh, let let the fire get going and uh, retire for the night because we've got to get up in the morning because we're doing silly <laughs> things like camping in a Superior National Forest campground <laughs> on a Monday night. <laughs> so, what a great way to spend a Monday. It's totally a great way to spend a money, Monday. So, thanks, Joe, um, for, sure. for spending the, this time with us and. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back as a guest because we've got so many fun things that we end up doing. So I look forward to it. Excellent. <laughs> Man, that was fun. Mostly because Joe is such a fun person, but also because anytime we get outside and do anything, whether it's hiking or skiing or paddling, the main reason we do it is because it's fun, right? Exactly. Well, thanks to Joe for keeping it fun, and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, get outside and find your own fun. <laughs>